Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church, give, share a prayer request, or access our weekly worship guide, visit us at www.restorationlex.com slash this week. several years, there have been multiple turning points, but one of the biggest turning points didn't happen in a service. It didn't happen when I was, you know, at a, a, some conference or in some sort of deep study of, of, of Scripture. It happened in our little post-college apartment in Richmond, Kentucky that barely had any space in it. We had people just crowded on the floor, paper plates everywhere, tacos that were sitting on the counter. We were doing our best to get some folks together because in 2007, I, even in ministry, was like, this is so lonely. This, there has to be more. So we decided out of nowhere, let's start a Bible study. Let's start some sort of get-together. I've been a part of small groups before, and they were, they were awful. They were so bad. I don't know how many of you, I won't make you raise your hand. How many of you have been a part of a bad small group experience before? Lord, when it gets bad, it gets bad. And so I had had some bad experiences, and I was very reticent to have something like that again because it was really awkward. But we just said, even in our little apartment, we're going to gather everybody together and just try to have some sort of Bible study. And once we got through this book, it was like, let's... Let's keep going. We love sharing meals and our stories and what we're praying for together. And all of a sudden, I began to see my faith in the context of not just what I believe, but how I belonged. As my story was shared, as my struggles were shared with others, I found believing and belonging coming together for the first time. And now through the ups and downs of ministry, through jobs and kids and God knows what else has happened over these last 16 years since that, I... We still have been in community the entire time. Still, as a pastor, I'm so moved and blessed by being a part of our community group. I often tell them, I wish we had community group before I preach because everyone says all the really good stuff after that I wish I could have said in the actual sermon. I wish we could do it early. I might start doing that. So we've said from the beginning around here, as we've gone through many different seasons, many different uh, you know, things we've gone through as a church 57 weeks straight of not meeting and doing home churches, that spiritual growth is a community project. Spiritual growth is not, is not happening in isolation. It comes out of our experience with others. Isolation is actually the enemy of growth. Uh, you know, and we have a place, a world that we're in where a lot of people right now are experiencing an isolation and loneliness. There was a Harvard study recently that found out that 30, 36% of respondents felt serious loneliness almost all the time. 36% felt serious loneliness almost all the time. That number rose to 61% for people of ages 18 to 29, and 51% for moms of young kids. And as a part of this report, I was reading it this week, and this, this statement right here really stuck out to me and really convicted me. It says, as a society... We do little to support emerging adults at precisely the time when they are dealing with the most defining, stressful decisions of their lives related to work, love, and identity, who to love, what to be. 
If you read books like Bowling Alone, you know that our society is growing more and more polarized and isolated from one another. These social functions that used to gather us together, functions like church, are always on the decline over the last 20 years. But we've learned over these last few years in these moments of crisis, when they come on, that it's the people around us who sustained us. The people around us that we walk with that share in our stories and struggles that actually give us the ability to continue on. I want to look today at our passage here in Colossians chapter 3 as we move forward in this. Uh, Paul's writing here about what this looks like up close. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. It's almost as if, as Paul's writing these words, that he's thinking about these little gatherings of people meeting in these homes, knowing that everything is not always kumbaya, is it? There are conflicts, there are struggles that we throw through together. So he's constantly reminding them to bear with one another in love. In Greek, these words, bear with, it's one word. And I'm going to screw this up, I promise you right now. But I'm going to try. Anechamai. Why don't somebody say that? Anechamai. You're speaking in tongues, I think. I have no idea what's happening there. That's a Greek word, but that's the word we get here for bear with. It means to stand under or bear a weight. When you think about building a house, when you're building a house, there's two types of walls. There's regular walls, and that's the other kind of wall, load-bearing walls, the walls that hold up the remainder of the house. They don't just divide spaces from one another. They actually bear the entire weight of what we live within. You can see pictures here. These are what happen when we build a house. This is exactly, I believe, what Paul is talking about, that when we come together in love in the Christian community, we literally become the load-bearing walls in others' lives. We bear the weight, the heaviness that we feel as we have rooted ourselves in the foundation of Christ, the house that we build upon that, we help bear that weight for one another. We are literally anechomized. We are standing firm together under the weight of the life that we live. This is what the Christian community, what we are called to be when we're standing under that weight together, when we are holding one another up, beam by beam and brick by brick, we are standing in something bigger than ourselves, something that is bigger than our own stories. As we learn to walk together in faith, we build one another up and we bear that weight together. I guarantee you, if you've been a part of the followers of Jesus, this community of faith we call church for any amount of time, hopefully you've had someone when you felt that heaviness has come into your story and helped you bear that weight. Does anybody have a story like that? I look back over these last 10 years and I think of moments when people out of nowhere stepped in and what felt like I could not carry it anymore it stood under that weight with me, literally bearing with me in love. And so I want to talk very practically today about what this looks like in our church. We have three specific forms of community. After the pandemic, one of the things we learned is that we 
need a bigger picture of what community looks like and can be. It is not one size fits all. We are in different places and different stories. How we do this needs to be different. The first way we do community is something called community groups. They're mid-sized, on, uh, they're, they're ongoing groups. They're typically about 10 to 15 people that gather for community, for conversations around meals, and they serve together as well. It's the this closest thing that we had before was home churches when we were doing this during the pandemic, when we were gathering together. The primary focus of these groups is deepening relationships and our life together. So sharing our stories, conversations about our own faith journeys, about our own connections that we have just forging these things together. This past week in our community group, we got to, in the moment, celebrate something big that was happening in one of our families. And it was so beautiful to be a part of that part of their little story that they're having right now. We currently have four community groups, but we want to see more started as well. So, but for a lot of us, the needs right now are beyond that. They, we need deeper focuses on discipleship. So this is where DNA groups come in. We currently have five DNA groups. DNA groups are smaller and they're ongoing gatherings between two to five people t- uh, typically. They meet for an hour, around an hour weekly for spiritual formation, for, to talk through our struggles, to process through what God is doing in our lives, and to kind of push one another forward as we follow Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. We currently have five DNA groups that have started that are going. We're hearing awesome feedback about how these are helping people, and I, I love, love, love that these have taken off here in the last few months. The final thing is short-term groups, which you heard about with Sheena. Short-term groups will be uh, typically about six to eight weeks in length, Focus on Bible studies, ruthless elimination of hurry is one we're doing right now to their topical studies. And over the past few years, we've done lots of different things like race, ethnicity, and the people of God, NT right study. We've done men's studies, women's studies, and everything in between. And there will be more as we continue on. We are hoping to have three to four short-term studies every year, both on Sunday mornings and other options, because it helps us grow and connect together. That's happening, as we said earlier starting this next Sunday. But the main thing I wanted to do today as I sit in these extremely hot lights, I don't know if you all have ever been in these lights before, but my Lord, I feel like a McDonald's french fry right now. It is, it is real hot in these lights. So I want to invite two other people to share in my pain together and share their story of community. So would you welcome Ted Ball and Jessica, good pastor up here. should have had some transition music to play them on there. We're not used to the big stage. We'll, uh, we'll rotate that back and forth here for you. But um, So we were supposed to have Chad Bowman here too today. There's a lot of people sick. Their, their whole family has some sickness going through the house. He was going to share as well. Uh, but we have a couple different people here who are in different phases and different parts of community that I would love to have you hear from them. The first is Ted. Ted and his wife Sarah, she was taking the kids back there this week. They are starting a group today that is open to folks to come. So if you want to sign up for that, um, you and your awesome wife, Sarah, you've been leading one of our How to Pray groups. You did that this past fall, and you are launching this literally this afternoon. So tell us a little bit about what you guys are starting up. Sure. So first, let me say thank you, because my wife is indeed awesome. Um, She is back with the kids, but she was very flattered that you said that. Um, And so, yeah, we uh, we did the book study this fall, kind of. Um, because real life happened, and so um, we did the first two weeks great as scheduled, and that third week, 
my family got sick, and so we met on Zoom. And then that next week, we were still sick, and so we met on Zoom. And I think the next week, the other family was sick, and so that week, I think it just didn't work out, and unfortunately, the thing kind of fizzled out. Yeah. But we had the opportunity to provide meals for one another. They made meals for our family, and we made a meal for them when they were sick. And so even though we didn't get to follow the curriculum, we got to have the experience of being connected to another family in our community, to love them and to be loved by them in return. Mm. And that is ultimately the goal of these groups, is it's not about the curriculum. If you learn something from the book, that's great. But what we want is for you to feel connected to someone. Mm. Um, yep. And like you said, um, my family is starting a, um, a new community group. We are looking really for uh, folks with young kids. My wife and I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, the other family that is currently a part of our group has a two, almost three-year-old, right? One, almost two. Sorry, I was off. Um, and so that's why we're looking at like 4.30 on a Saturday or Sunday, because at that time they're up from nap, but it's not quite time for bedtime yet. And so if that's a good time for you, and like if you saw that like 6.30 for like Ash Wednesday, and you're like, I can't do 6.30 on a weeknight. I have kids, and they're going to be in bed by then. Like that's totally us, and so we're the group for you. <laughs> Write um, that down. <laughs> um, and um, my wife and I have been very blessed to have been a part of many wonderful small groups, home churches, um, in the various places that we have lived and the faith communities we've been a part of. Um, and it is our hope that we will be able to provide a setting for that as well. That's awesome. So I would love for you to share what you do as your job because it directly informs these conversations about why community and the form of community that we're seeking out together help us grow. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, I am a therapist. I work for New Vista Behavioral Health, um, and I work with people all the time who struggle with depression and anxiety and any number of mental health issues. Um, and one of the things that we know is that loneliness and isolation contribute significantly to adverse mental health outcomes. Um, the, I'm going to nerd out a little bit here because, like he said, I am a professional and that's what I do. Um, the former U.S. Surgeon General, uh, Vivek Murthy, who was the Surgeon General under Obama, um, actually has done a lot of study and has been speaking very publicly about the impact of loneliness that people has on people's health. Um, and so he cited, cited a slightly different numbers than you did. He said that according to a 2018-2020 study, mm -hmm. and so this is pre-pandemic, that 60% of people admitted to struggling with loneliness and wow. 75 among, quote, younger people. Don't know what that means. I wish I was a younger people, but maybe if that doesn't mean that I have to be lonely. I'm a younger people. <laughs> I'm a younger people at heart. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he says that uh, loneliness poses real threats to both mental and physical health, among them higher risks of depression, anxiety, cardiovascular illness, dementia, and sleep disturbances. Um, another study showed that loneliness is linked to higher rates of all-cause mortality in both sexes, but it is higher for men than for women, which basically means that if you're lonely, you're more likely to die. Mm -hmm. Just from being lonely. Um, Dr. Murthy says that connections which are the most meaningful are those when we feel the most seen and understood by another person, when we feel we can truly be ourselves. And that's really what we want to do in these groups, whether it's a DNA group or a community group 
or even a book study group, we want to create opportunities for you to feel seen. And I will tell you from my personal experience in all sorts of settings, it takes a lot of courage to let yourself be seen. Um, there is a very well-known social worker, her name is Brene Brown. Many of you have probably heard of her. Um, if you haven't, look her up on YouTube. She has one of the most watched TED Talks on YouTube. It's like 35 millions of views. And I personally only account for like 20 of them. <laughs> um, but she talks about how important feeling connected is and how important it is for us to find that courage to be connected to someone else. And it really does take an incredible amount of courage. Um, but there is also nothing that's more rewarding. Um, I heard about another study recently, um, little saddened to say this came out of the Ohio State University. Um, I'm a Michigan Wolverine. <laughs> but anyways, um, this study found that one of the most effective treatments for depression and anxiety was selfless acts for other people. Hmm. We in our society and in my profession talk a lot about self-care. It's a big thing people love to talk about right now, right? And it's great for you to have a man cave that you can retreat to. I love mine. It's great for you to get a monthly massage or a mani-pedi or whatever you do for self-care. But we're learning that the best form of self-care is actually to love someone else. Mm. And that's what these groups are about. When you get to provide a meal in front of a family that is sick. That that's better for your mental health. Wow. It's better for your life expectancy. And so find the courage to let yourself be seen. Find the courage to join one of these groups and put in the time and the effort to develop the trust and develop those relationships. Because those are the things that are gonna make a, a difference in your life and make a difference in someone else's. That's incredible. That was literally a TED talk, <laughs> too. Thank you, I've, I've, got, I've got a funny little, uh, um, little catchphrase to end on, you ready? Yeah. So I'm gonna say it the silly way and then I'm gonna say it the way that I'd actually like you to hear it. Yeah. You can't spell community without you. Uh -huh. There's an applause sign up there, if yeah. anybody could light that up for me. Yeah. Um, but seriously, we can't have community without you. Um, mm -hmm. I can't be in community by myself. And so, and if as a church, there are people in this room who don't feel seen, then we're failing as a church. Mm. We need everyone here to feel seen. Come on. And we are only at our best when every one of us is seen. And so we need you. And so put yourself out there, find the courage to let yourself be seen. Right on, man. Yes. I mean, that, I think about the, yeah, that for that. I think about that, and, and when I look back on my various stories in church, I don't remember sermons, I don't remember songs, I don't remember classes, I remember the people who love me, and it's going to be the same for us. As much as it's, you know, I think sermons are nice, uh, I love worshiping, I love that we gather and do these things, but what you will remember, what our kids will remember are the people who came alongside them and love them that, like you said, that are seen. So, well, Jessica, you, you are a part of both a community group, uh, a really good one if I'm, I'm biased, but a really good one, and you're, you are a part of our first little round of DNA groups too. So um, 
I think they are awesome. But share about the DNA group together that's just started. You and a couple of, of folks in our church and what that's meant to you here the last few months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, thanks for letting me come up here. I'm not going to have a TED Talk because <laughs> not a TED, but it's tough to follow um, him. But I will say, like, a DNA group is can sound a little bit of intimidating um, because if vulnerability is something that you struggle with, there's just a two or three of you. There's not even a kid to run around and distract you, or um, you might not even have food to eat, even though our usually Becca, who is in my group, throws out some random assortment of things that she has found in her um, uh, pantry that day. Um, I don't I don't know. She, I can't see if y'all are here or not. I don't know if Becca's here or not. <laughs> but um, for our DNA group, it, it, it has been so great. Um, I was talking with Hannah um, a few months ago about how a lot of us, and I don't, I mean, I don't know your stories um, exactly, but throughout the pandemic, it was really tough for me. It was isolating. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, we, we actually started coming to restoration uh, sort of as things started to open up a little bit more pandemic life. But there was a time there where, you know, the churches that we had gone, the church we had gone to, the small groups that we'd been a part of, I mean, even mundane things like dropping kids off at school and picking them up and the people that I would see then, those things just weren't happening. And um, some of I also realized through the joys of social media and other things that there were a lot of fundamental things that I disagreed with the people who were in my life on and how difficult it became when I realized I had to censor so many thoughts that I had in my spiritual life, in my personal life, in just convictions and things that I had because so many people just did not agree with me. And hear me when I say that you're never going to find someone who exactly agrees with you on everything. Um, and if you do, you kind of need to question that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that need to be able to be my full self um, was missing in my life. And I realized how hard that was um, when, when I really didn't have it. And through the DNA groups... I, Actually, it's funny. There are a couple ladies who are in my DNA group, Shannon and Becca. I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, they're both great if you know them. But um, we actually went to a training um, through uh, Restoration where we were sat at a table together and we realized like we all had birthdays within a week of each other. We'd all been like yearbook editors in high school, which is super cool. Don't, you know, don't think it's not. But, you know, and, and just all these things that we sort of had in common. And I was like, man, I wish that there was some way that the three of us could just bounce some ideas off of one another. It's sort of that, even though it gets a little bit cliche in church settings, that iron sharpens iron. I was like, these are my people who are going to make sure that um, <laughs> they kind of hold me in check, but also be able to push me um, along um, a path of growth. And... Um, so we actually requested that we be in a DNA group together when that came up. I know that a lot of the other ones um, were sort of assigned based on schedule and, you know, some of those sort of things. But for us, we were like, 
we found it. We want, we want to dig into this a little bit more. And it has been great. I did laugh when I saw the, um, it's typically an hour because I literally got home after midnight this week after <laughs> we, we hadn't been able to meet for a little bit. I don't suggest that. Follow. Hannah does a great job of giving you guidelines of what you should and should not do. And that's on the should not list. But, uh, but still, it was really nice to be able to dig into some really serious things that we were, you know, working through in our faith and in our lives and, and just those heavy burdens that we could just talk out in that sort of um, area. And so it's been really good. We, I mean, it's only been happening for a couple of months and, you know, life happens, people have been sick, you know, people travel, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we've been able to get together and really dig into that. And I know that some of the other groups have done that um, as well. And we're developing and working on what will make this process better and easier for future folks. So I just think that it's a great tool if you're like, I really need to dig into something without the distractions of, because hear me, I love my community group as well. But you can't get into those sort of deep conversations with two or three people when you have the whole family um, there or even, you know, just a larger group. It's really hard um, to do that level of, of vulnerability that quickly anyway. And so it, it's been really nice, and I really encourage you to do that. And so if that's something right now that you want to sign up for and say that you're interested in, you can go ahead and do that, and maybe that get matched up um, with someone who, I know there's a couple of groups that um, would, or like just a couple of people, so you could add in and jump into some of those. And then also, if there's somebody you're like, hey, I'd like to do this um, formally with, but maybe you're doing a little bit informally, Hannah can help um, get you into sort of the rhythms and the, the, the things that work, kind of best practices as we go through that as well. So it's been really good for me to, um, to really have someone to uh, say what I'm struggling with and what we're praying for and what I'd like to see and really, it's been hopeful because when you share those things, people, I mean, we've had really some breakthroughs on things like mother-in-laws and, um, you know, uh, or how to deal with kids or, you know, some people that you come in, in contact with regularly. And um, if my mother-in-law's work, it wasn't you. It was, that wasn't what we were talking If she was listening, that's not, it wasn't her. Um, but it's just, it's one of those things that has been really helpful um, for all of us to really dig into community because we've been intentional about it. That's awesome. You mentioned community group that we were part of too. How are those different? Because I think there might be some confusion there. That's a great question. And I, um, we, I was able to go through a sort of a focus group that we did a little bit um, a, a few months ago before we launched these different types. Um, that was really great to drill into that because I mean, I've been in church for a long time and like you, the reason that I really got involved and stayed in church as an adult was because at that point at a, at a college ministry, um, and that was crucial to me. But as I've gone through some, you know, life and other types of groups, you figure out sometimes they don't have a good definition, and when different people are coming in with different expectations of that, um, someone's going to get disappointed. Um, Unmet, ex unmet expectations lead to all kinds of disappointments. So mm -hmm. if we can establish those things up front, I think it's really good. Mm -hmm. So the community group, it really is more of a larger community kind of setting. So in ours, at least, um, we have, 
their families with kids who are generally the same age. Ours are a little bit older um, than than Ted's, and and it's been good. And we've also had some like hard conversations about like, do we add? Do we just keep having people come in all the time? Like, how big can this be, and how or how small can it be, or what do we do? You know, for all you like, what does it look like for us moving forward? And so that we need to have committed people who are regularly coming, that we're gonna share some responsibilities of things. I mean, we've had um, some people having major, major big life things happening and changing, and um, our group is gonna change with that. Um, and it's, it's so nice to be able to do that together. So, but it also, we try to meet weekly, and we share a meal together, and we usually do the discussion questions, um, which Justin does a great job. If you are not using the, wor- the worship guide that he puts up weekly, you're really missing out. Um, but there's just some questions in there, and they make it easy. Usually he has like maybe two or three questions, and we get through one of them um, because we'll just kind of get going. But uh, that is allowing us to get to know each other as families where the DNA group is really more, let's sit down and talk about like what sort of Kairos moment or what what did I hear from God this week? What's happening in my soul that I need to share and can talk about with a couple of people um, that I know and trust or I'm getting to know um, yeah. and learning to trust. And so they, it's great that also short-term groups have been great too. Um, I know that wasn't part of your question, so I'm going to jump in there a little bit too. But actually a lot of the uh, community I built at this church prior to the last few months was through short-term groups. That was something that um, I've always really enjoyed being a part of. And throughout the pandemic, I actually led some with some people that um, online that I didn't even know um, through in, in, in any other way, and they signed up, and I had some community in that way, um, and then joining in with restoration, having the support of a church to do some of those things was was really helpful as well. But um, and I did like led an online one of the how to pray groups that was that was really great. But that's how I got to know a lot of people. So if you're like I don't know if I'm quite ready to jump into someone's home and them to see my whole family and me to have to deal with their whole family. Or, um, or I'm not, I don't know that I want to be in a DNA group situation just quite yet with, you know, people who are kind of strangers to me. I highly, highly suggest jumping into some of these short-term opportunities because it gives you an opportunity to at least be like, oh, hey, there's Walt. I know him. He's great. Maybe we could be something else with that or, or whoever it might be. I also like that the short-term um, groups really tend to be multi-generational, different people in different family situations. Yep. And even if you are already in another form of community, it's a great way to get to know some people that maybe you don't know in other settings. I liked to get to know as many people here as I can. And I think uh, Restoration does a great job of enforcing that community can be on all kinds of different levels. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just going to give a plug for all three of the groups. Yeah. But the, the definition of them um, is good because at least you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then you can choose what is going to work for you. Because I don't think that most of us can handle being in three of these thriving groups all at the same time. So you just might have to fix the one, the, find the one that's going to work for you in the particular season of life that you are in. Right. But regardless, I encourage you to find one because as Ted said so eloquently, I mean, this is, you die earlier if you're not finding people. <laughs> so, you know, that's, it, 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 
it really is a life or death thing. And whether that is just, you know, living and making it through or really finding that abundance of life that's available to us, mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to do that. Right on. Right on. And I, you said something to me earlier in the week that has stuck with me. Is you said that you see our whole church as your community. Even though you have community group, you have DNA group, you see everybody. And so it's not just these opportunities and these things. It's, it's opportunities for folks that we may not be meeting with to, to come together. And, and that's why we do things like the, the chicken wing championship and things like that. These are all so we can find these connections together. Um, thank you guys so much for, for sharing today and, and for saying some really profound, beautiful things for us. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So let's give them a hand. Thank them. That's great. I want to close just really quickly as we go today, uh, just reminding you, I, I, I've been through so many of these community talks and churches now over my 19 years in ministry. And um, I remember thinking one time, you know, if community is so great, everyone would be doing it. Um, and I, I just want to acknowledge that I know it is difficult. I know that community is often a spiritual discipline in some sense because it forces us outside of ourselves. I know that life stages and seasons of struggle come through that make things difficult, changing schedules. Sometimes it's issues with kids. Sometimes it's the fact that as you think about hosting a group, that you actually have to clean your freaking house and what that means. That's one of my favorite things about hosting is it forces us to really clean our house and get our children to pick up their stuff. It's wonderful. It's my favorite thing about hosting. And, but maybe it's one of those issues. I'm afraid to connect or to be seen. I just want you to know I recognize the messiness of that. I recognize the complexities of what it means for many of us to get in community. And so one of the reasons we have different forms is so we can find ways to fit where you are so you can be seen and known through seasons of life. So people can come alongside you and bear the weight of life together. And so my final encouragement as we move into a time of communion is just take that next step. If you don't know what that is, if it's not something we've talked about today, talk to us. Help us help you find these connections. We are flexible and fluid. We want to do what it takes to get you into relationships where you are known and loved as you are. We're celebrating communion today. I know it's not like normal. We have some up here if you didn't get to grab one on the way in as we're singing together. Uh, We do this every week, remembering the body and blood of Christ, broken for us, shed for our sin. And I am so uh, reminded every time we do this, that in the early days in churches, they did this, it was around a meal, it was in homes, it was among people who knew and loved one another through their stories and struggles. And what has been accomplished in the cross is not just, not just our reconnection, our restoration to God, but our connection to one another. We have been restored to one another as the family of God. Ephesians 2 says that the wall of hostility between us has fallen down because of the cross, and now we can find life together even in our differences, especially in our differences because of the power of the cross. And so as Hannah leads us, we're going to celebrate that together. You don't have to participate, but we encourage you to do that right here 
And I think we have some in the lobby too as well. But let me pray for us and we'll move into a time of worship. We'll also have prayer back there too, as we always do, if we'd like to pray for you about whatever's happening in your story right now. So Father, I'm, I'm grateful for the faces that come to my mind when I think about the, the ones who've come alongside me. I, as a pastor, need friendships and community as much as anybody who's sitting in this room today. And I'm grateful, God, that we don't have a community where I have to pretend to be on a pedestal somewhere up in the sky. But I have people here who know me, who know my story and my struggles, who love me, who love my family. And God, we just ask for doors to open for courage to step out. Being seen is sometimes so hard because being seen means being known and we are scared that we will not find the love that our hearts are longing for. But your word says perfect love drives out.